0: the screen. Uh, I've called it the sheep and the beasts. The sheep and the beasts. Who really likes going to the zoos? Anybody like going to the zoo? I, I certainly do. I've been to a number of different zoos. I've even been to Taronga Zoo out in Sydney, which was a great experience. I've been to the big Chester Zoo in the United Kingdom and to various zoos in South Africa. Now, if you are someone, and I'm going to give you like three seconds to do it. If you, if, you are, if you are someone that likes going to the zoo, what animal do you really want to see? Come on, shout something out. A cheetah, a lion, an elephant, huh? a orangutan, a frog, If if I said to you, you could go and see a ram or a goat at the zoo, would you go? Okay. I I think it is safe to say that most people and Australians, give or take an animal or two, they go to the zoo, they want to see lions, leopards, and bears. Would you say that's fair? And did you know that Taronga Zoo has got all three? Let me show you. Uh, uh, Taronga Zoo has got the lioness named Maya. Right, there she is. Uh, She is at the Taronga Zoo. Uh, Toronga Zoo has also got bears like Bethel, and they've even got leopards named Kumba. But if you've been following with me in Daniel 7 and 8, Daniel's zoo is a completely different breed altogether, isn't it? If you remember from two weeks ago, um, as you look at that picture, you might remember that uh, in Daniel 7, we had this hybrid sort of lion. We've got this hybrid sort of bear. We've got this hybrid leopard that's got four heads. And then an unknown beast, iron teeth, which I decided was a hybrid type of dinosaur that was going to come along sooner or later. And then as we come into Daniel chapter 8 this morning, you will have noticed that the zoo's been added to because now we've got this ram with two long horns and one's longer than the other. And we've got this goat that's also called a shaggy goat. And then that one's not looking so shaggy, but it's got four horns and one horn coming out of it. And it's a whole lot of things going on there. Now, let me try and help you to put these two visions Together, If you've got your Bible, have a look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 17. We are told that the four beasts are four kingdoms that will rise on the earth before Jesus returns. And if you have a look at this picture, hopefully it will come up. Uh, if you look at that four picture, what we discovered two weeks ago is that the four kingdoms are going to come on the earth. But when you got into Revelation 13, it was sort of Revelation 13 combined all four of those beasts into one, what we might call a super hybrid a super hybrid animal. And the point is very simple that various godless political powers are going to come and go, come and go, come and go until Jesus Christ returns with the kingdom of God in its fullness. Now as we come into Daniel chapter 8, what the vision does, it focuses in on the two kingdoms that are coming after Babylon. The two next kingdoms kingdoms so have a look at chapter 8 verse 1 if you've got your Bible it's the third year of Belshazzar he is the Babylonian king and notice chapter 8 verse 20 we're told that the ram is who who's the ram hmm? it's the Medo-Persians if you've got your Bible I really want to encourage you to have your Bible open and have a look at this stuff chapter 8 verse 20 the Medo-Persians is the ram and who is the shaggy goat It is Greece, okay? You don't know it's Alexander Richard. We'll get there sometime. So, when it's Greece. So here's how the picture looks, okay? As you put Daniel 7 and 8 together, it looks like this. The modified lion in 7 is Babylon. The modified bear is Persia. Now, the picture changes, but is also the ram. The modified leopard with four heads is Greece, but is now also the modified goat. And we're not actually told who the modified dinosaur is. We're never told in the book of Daniel. And after Daniel sees all of this, both seven and eight and Babylon, Persia, Greece, and everything else, notice his response as Matt kindly pointed out for us. He sees this vision and he says, I was worn out. I, 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 I was sort of flat out exhausted for several days. I got up. I went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. And what we've got to try and understand is why is Daniel so appalled by what he sees? And we'll discover that as we go along. So here's my first heading as we head into the passage. The ram who is Persia. And have a look at verse 3 and 4 in your Bible. Notice what he says. He says, I looked up in my vision, and there before me was a ram. It's got two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as it charged to the west, to the north, to the south. No animal could stand against it. No one could rescue it from its power. It did as it pleased, and it became great. Here's the question. What is God showing Daniel? God is showing Daniel that the next kingdom to come will be the Persians. And as Daniel understands that, it becomes something of a monumental shock. Why? It is around the year 552 BC. Israel has been in exile for some 60 years. Daniel and Israel know from the prophet Jeremiah that the exile is probably going to end in the next 10 years, in the next decade. And what Israel and Daniel expected is that when the exile comes to an end and they move back to the land, they expected the kingdom of God to come. When they moved back to the promised land, they would rebuild the temple and they would would reign again under a Davidic type king, a Solomon-like king. But what God is showing Daniel and us is that with the coming of the Persian ram, is that the exile doesn't actually end when they go back to Jerusalem. They are ruled now by a Babylonian lion. Next, it will be a Persian ram. And then they're going to be ruled by a Greek leopard goat. And then they're going to be ruled by some sort of beastly dinosaur. What Daniel and us are being shown is this. There is no such thing as the kingdom of God on earth. There are always going to be pagan, ruling powers, beasts that are going to rule on the earth. They are going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming until Christ returns. In other words, there is no such thing as a godly nation on earth. There's no such thing as us trying to create a godly nation on earth. Yes, there might be a Christian prime minister. Yes, there might be a Christian president here, there, and everywhere. everywhere. But pagan antichrist governments are going to come, and they're going to go until Jesus comes again. Do you remember these words of Jesus in John chapter 18, verse 36, when he was speaking to Pilate before the crucifixion? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You see, the thing that we've got to understand is this. Satan is a defeated foe. He was defeated at the cross, right? That's where his power was stripped. That's where Christ triumphed over the the, the power of the evil one. But Satan is still the prince of this world. He still has power. He still has dominion. He still has some form of control. He is still inspiring all the earthly beasts that come and go. This has massive implications for how we fight the beasts, but that will be for another day, in another vision. Suffice to say this: until our Lord comes, till our Lord returns, there will be lions, hybrids, there will be bear rams. There will be leopard goats, and there will be dinosaurs that will come and go and come and go. It will never be different. You with me? Second, the ram Persia versus the goat. And there's a bit of a war here, right? There's a bit of a war, and I'll just give you a picture to show you how it sort of goes, right? Sort of something, something like it. Put that picture back up, please. Yeah, there we go, all right? And, 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 and we notice, just keep it there for a moment. We, we, we know verse 3 that the ram is powerful. That's the Persian Empire uh, that destroyed the Babylonian Empire. But in verse 6 and 7, this, this goat, I mean, this goat with this long horn, uh, with great rage, it comes and, and destroys the ram. Let me just check if I've got verse, uh, verse 7. Have a look at it. I saw the goat attack the ram furiously, striking the ram, shattering its two horns. The ram was now powerless to stand against it. Right? The goat knocked it to the ground and trampled on it, and no one else could rescue the ram, the ram from its power. Right? So, so now the, the Greeks have come and taken over from the Persians. Now when you go into history... And you, you, you look at the wars that took place around 490 B.C. between the Greeks and the Persians. They ended around 334. These wars were bloody. They were vicious. They were deadly. They were destructive. They were without mercy. Now the point is fairly simple. The Greeks take over from the Persians. Why? Because political powers are going to come and go because they are always lusting for human power, and human wealth, and human dominion, and human control. The reason why kingdom fights kingdom, and kingdom takes over kingdom, and so it goes on, is because there is always this lust for earthly wealth and power inspired by the devil himself. And the best commentary for Daniel chapter 8 is actually Jesus himself, In Matthew 24, verse 6 and 7, he says, You will hear wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen. There it is. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That is exactly what God is teaching Daniel. So let me put it into context for you. Have a look at this. Babylon took out Egypt, Assyria, and Israel. And actually, if you took a step back, before that, it was Assyria that took out Egypt and Israel. So Babylon takes out Egypt, Assyria, Israel. Persia takes out Babylon. Greece takes out Persia. And then Rome later on takes out Greece. And so it goes on and on and on. Let me just give you a very brief synopsis of just some of the wars that have taken place in the history of our world. And this is... The smallest synopsis. There was the 100-year war between the English and the French. There was the English Civil War, the French Revolution, the American Civil War. There was the Mexican-American War, World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, Gulf War, the Indochina War. And as you know, there is the current war between Russia and Ukraine. Do you see it? Kingdom will come and kingdom will will go. One power fighting for more power from another one. First it was the lion, then it was the bear, then it was the leopard, and so they go on. So go on. This, this, This continual lust for power, control, dominance. But it's not just Inspired, by the, obviously, by the devil himself. But remember, it's not just earthly wars. It's not just country wars. It's not just world wars that take place. There are gang wars. There are drug wars. There are family wars. There are retail wars. Ideological wars, gender wars, pay wars. Religious wars. That's the way it will be. It's the way it's always going to be. In this case, it's ram versus goat. Who wins? Who wins? Goat. Goat wins. Point three the reign of the shaggy goat. Now, what happens now? The passage actually focuses in on the reign of the shaggy goat. So there's Babylon, you've got the Medo Persians. And then's coming the shaggy goat. This coming Greece. And what the, and this is, you'll we'll start to understand why Daniel is appalled. The, the vision now focuses in on the reign of the shaggy goat. What is it going to be like for Israel, God's people, under the shaggy goat? Daniel will be dead and buried, but he sees into the future and he sees something that appalls him because life under the shaggy goat is going to be difficult. Now remember, Daniel would not have known how it's all going to work out. But where are we living? We're living two and a half thousand years after this. We can look back and we can with some sort of certainty see how this vision in Daniel 8 was fulfilled. So as we look back in history, the shaggy goat with the long horn, who we are told in verse 21, have a look at it, 21, The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. And Richard, that is probably who? That is probably Alexander the Great. He went to war against the Persians, and he eventually defeated the Persians in 334 BC. In 323 BC, he eventually died. But then have a look at verse 22. The four horns that replaced the one was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. So what happened is we look back in history. Alexander comes along. He defeats the Persians. He then dies. I think he was in his 20s when he died or somewhere around about there. And, and, and instead of his reign going to another king, his kingdom was split up into four different areas with four different rulers, right? Right? And then in the passage, it says there was a little horn, another horn that came from the four horns. Did you see that? Now that's in verse 23. In the latter part of their reign, in the latter part of the four rulers, when the rebels have become wicked, a fierce looking king, a master of intrigue, Will arise. So Alexander comes, he dies, four regions, four kings, but there is this powerful master of intrigue, a horn from one of the other horns that comes, and he starts to wreak havoc. Now, if you've got the passage, have a look at this with me. The passage is really about him. And, and we notice various things that we're told about this, this Greek king. And I'll tell you who he is in a moment. We're told that he grows in power, verse 9. We're told that he throws down some of the starry hosts and tramples on them, verse 10. Remember, it's apocalyptic. But he will take away the daily sacrifice, verse 11. He will cause astounding devastation. He will destroy mighty men and holy men. He will cause deceit to prosper. He will consider himself superior, but he will be destroyed at some point. Now, Daniel, remember it's 5.52. He's looking ahead. As we look back from this side, this is probably talking about a Greek ruler by the name of Antichus Epiphanes. Antichus Epiphanes. He ruled from 175 BC to 164. Life for Israel and life for God's people under this man was horrible. And the only way I can describe it to you is to read it for you. In a Jewish book called Two Maccabees, Two Maccabees, we have a description of what this man, Antichus Epiphanes, did to the people of God. What he did to the temple. How he desecrated the temple. How he did unspeakable things in the temple. And this is what Daniel saw, but wouldn't have known the detail. Let me read it to you from Two Maccabees chapter 6. Not long after this, the king sent an Athenian senator to compel the Jews to forsake the laws of their ancestors and to no longer live by the laws of God. Also to pollute the temple in Jerusalem and to call the temple Olympian Zeus. Harsh and utterly grievous was the onslaught of evil. For them, the temple was filled with debauchery and the reveling by the Gentiles who dallied with prostitutes and had intercourse with women within the sacred precincts and besides brought in things for sacrifice that were unfit. The altar was covered with abominable things that were forbidden by the laws. People could neither keep the Sabbath nor observe the festivals of their ancestors, nor could they even confess themselves to be Jews. On the monthly celebration of the king's birthday, the Jews were taken under bitter constraint to partake of the sacrifices. And when the festival of Dionysus was celebrated, they were compelled to wear wreaths of ivy and to walk in the procession of Dionysus. A decree was issued that Jews who did not change over to pagan sacrifices should be killed. And one could therefore see the misery that had come. Upon them. End quote. Do you see what's happening? Daniel, before the time, is getting a vision of what life is going to be like for Israel under the shaggy goat Greece. It was going to be a time of unprecedented wickedness, evil, blasphemy, persecution. That happened at an intensity that didn't actually happen under. Persian ram. What does that mean for us? It simply means this, that between now and when our Lord comes back, there are going to be varying beasts that will come and go and fight each other, rise and fall and all that sort of stuff. But these different beasts are going to persecute God's people in different ways, at different times, in different intensities. Sometimes the intensity might be more, sometimes it might be less. It will be different in different parts, different places, different countries. It's not going to be like a worldwide thing, but it's the various beasts in the various parts of the world persecuting God's people at different times in different ways. So, let me give you an example. Persecution for Australian Christians in Australia under the Labour government looks a little different to the persecution under the liberal government. Persecution against Christians in America looks different under the Democrats as it looks under the the Republicans. Christians that are are living in China, Pakistan, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, they have a different form of persecution, sometimes more, sometimes less, sometimes a whole lot worse than what's going on here. Does it make sense? So when, again, we go back to Jesus in Daniel chapter and Matthew 24 he says this, this is sort of the summary version of Daniel 8 then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me here's the point various varying beasts will persecute God's people in various ways and sometimes it might be so, so severe like it was for God's people when they were living under the reign of the shaggy goat, Anticus Epiphanes. Which therefore starts to move us into a very personal application. The sheep to the slaughter. You remember I asked the kids what kind of animals we are as uh, God's people, and what did they say, rightly so? We're sheep, aren't we? God's people are not bears. They're not lions. They're not leopards. They're not rams. They're not goats. What are they? Sheep. Now let me ask you this. What do leopards, bears, bears, Lions and such, dinosaurs, what do they like to eat? They love sheep. They absolutely love sheep. Just put that picture up again again. That's what they will do. Different times, different places, spaces, intensities, they're going to eat sheep. That's what beasts do. That's what Satan wants. Because he roars around like a... Like a... Ready to do what? Devour. Isn't it? 1 Peter chapter 5. Remember these words? Jesus said in Matthew ten sixteen. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among... It could be written like this. I'm sending you out like sheep among lions, sheep among bears, sheep among leopards, Sheep among vicious rams, sheep among vicious goats. Isn't that why Paul said in Romans 8:36 he said, For your sake we'd face death all day long because we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered? Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. We live in the world, we're in the world but not of the world, but we live in a world that is under the reign of Satan and he's inspiring these godless antichrist beasts that are going to come and go and come and go. As you and I seek to live for the glory of Christ and as we seek to go and find the lost sheep, as we seek to go and call people to come and repent and follow Jesus, to stop following the beast and to follow Christ, what's going to happen? The beast's. Are going to come for us. And Jesus said it's going to be like at times. It's going to feel like sheep to the slaughter. There are going to be times. When we feel so vulnerable. So powerless. So defenseless. To perhaps put it bluntly. There are going to be times. When we're butchered. By the beasts. So what we need is we need to hear the voice of our shepherd, don't we? We need to hear the voice of our shepherd who was led like a lamb to the slaughter. So let me start to pull this to a close in terms of our applications. As we consider the coming and the going and the raising up of one kingdom against another, and as we consider the various persecutions that may come and may be very, very severe at different times, different places. And we're like sheep to a slaughter, and we may even be butchered by the beasts. We need to hear the voice of our shepherd. We need to hear him speaking to us. I'm going to give you six things that he says to us. Here's number one. He says in Matthew 25, 25, don't be surprised. I've told you ahead of time. You know that in Australia... I don't think that we have yet really felt the wrath of the beast. I think it's probably safe to say that we've had a taste of it. Maybe we're getting a little bit of a taste of it. The wrath of the beast is still coming. It will come at some point in some way in different times. And Jesus says, don't be surprised. I've told you ahead of time. I need to just say to your brothers and sisters, you need to expect dark days. You need to expect difficult times. You need to expect persecuted times. They will come and go. Jesus said, don't be surprised. I'm giving you a heads up. That's the first thing he says to us. Here's the second thing that he says. If they butcher me, they will butcher you. Jesus put it like this. The servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Maybe to put it like this, if Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter, so will we. Right? Because no servant is greater than his master. You remember the words of Isaiah 53, 7, don't you? He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before it shares his silence, so he did not open his mouth. And then twenty four nine again of Matthew, Jesus says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and to be put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. So brothers and sisters, or should I say, sheep, sheep of God, don't be surprised. Jesus told us it's coming. He also says, sheep, as they led me to the slaughter, they will lead you. But thirdly, we need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. Here's what our shepherd says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And you remember the apostles, don't you, in Acts 5 and verse 41? The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Don't be surprised. If they led me, they will lead you. Rejoice. But sheep, don't fear the beasts. Don't fear the beasts. Our shepherd says, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What's whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell are oh, not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid because you are worth more than many sparrows. Why should we not be afraid of the beasts? Because the worst they can do is kill the body. That's the worst they can do. And even what they do to us is all under the sovereign care and control of our Heavenly Father who even numbers every hair on your head. And I'm sorry to those of you like Simon, I've got no hair. Don't be afraid. They will come and they will go. They will be vicious at times. But don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm also with you. Do you remember the words that Mark brought to us last week from Psalm 23? You remember them? And you remember how Psalm 23 starts, don't you? The Lord is my. And even though, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or some translations, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you know, when Jesus says what I've, what, I've, what I've told you in the dark, you shout in the light, or what I've told you in the dark, you shout from the roofs. and what I've whispered in your ear, you send out. Remember this. As you go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Remember these words. And surely I am. I am with you. You know, and, and here's the thing. It's not just that Jesus is with us, but he's in us. It's not just that he's with us, but he's united to us by his Spirit. We're, we're joined to him. Jesus is truly with us in the most closest and personal sense of, of the way because the shepherd is united to his sheep by his Spirit. The words of Jesus to his sheep is this. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Be strong. Be courageous. I'm with you. And then the final word of the shepherd to his sheep is persevere to the end. Our shepherd says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. See, what happens is as the beasts roar, as they flex their muscle, as the beasts gnash their teeth, so to speak, And we'll talk more about this in another vision. But it's going to have a sifting effect. It's going to have a purifying effect. Many who said they love Jesus and follow Jesus are going to fall away. Many who claim to be sheep are actually going to be goats. They're going to walk away. They're going to fall away. The words of your shepherd says, sheep, persevere to the end. Because only the sheep that persevere to the end will be saved. Let's have the music team up.